The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode and one of the newer members of the Leadership Matter teams. Leadership Matters team. My co-host today got ill and will not be able to join us. Um, however, I am joined by a very well-known change management expert, and his name is Phil Goodrich, and he will be with us here today. This whole month, our theme has been one of change and organizational change. We've given some um, case studies and examples and uh, even delved a little bit into the context of personal change. Today, we're going to be talking about change in a healthcare environment, and I'm pleased to say that Phil Goodrich has been part of that change and what's been going on there now for several years. Um, before I give you much more information about Phil, I will let you know that this is just the perfect time to talk about change and given the new Healthcare Reform Act and Obamacare and all the controversy, um, Perhaps they could have used Phil's skills in Washington, D.C. So, Phil Goodrich, thank you to, for being on the program today, and thank you for being our guest. I think I'll just start by asking you to provide a broad overview of yourself, your background, and how you got into this field. So, hi, Linda, and th- thank you for having me. Um, so, I, I got into uh, human resources and organizational development. Um, it's been about 28 years, and... Uh, I, I joined uh, when it was still called personnel and, and quickly uh-huh. transitioned to uh, human resources. And over the last 12 to 15 years, my focus has been more specifically focused on organizational development and uh, some of the things that come with that. Mm-hmm. And do you find that change and managing that and leading people through it take skills over and above that of your typical human resource or organization development practitioner? I, I do. I, I, I do. I, I think that, you know, change management and transition management in itself is, is a very specialized field and very specialized niche. Um, I, I've had a tremendous amount of experience with change in corporate environments, um, whether it's mergers and acquisitions, which I've done about seven of them, whether it's a company going through the IPO process, whether it's a company changing its culture, or whether it's an organization that's changing as a result of some outside influence, such as healthcare reform, 
I've got a lot of experience, and I've always had to rely on a completely different skill set to manage that change. Hmm. Interesting. So talk a little bit about the changing healthcare environment itself. I know that you've worked in many industries besides this healthcare, but since that's so topical right now, let's just look at some of those external factors that are impacting the culture. And you might want to introduce your organization there because I believe you've won some incredible reward, awards lately. Yeah, so I, I currently work for uh, Palomar Health uh, in San Diego County, in, in Escondido specifically. And it's, uh, it's an organization that has a rich history and culture of supporting the, the, the county, and specifically it's, it's, uh, it's a district hospital. So it supports three specific communities as well as the greater San Diego County. Um, it, it's an organization, I think, that is known for its rich culture in terms of how it treats its patients, guests, and visitors, as well as its employees and physicians and everyone else that supports the operation. Mm-hmm. And so some of the factors that are impacting Palomar Health in the past couple of years well, certainly healthcare reform is, is probably the biggest one coming down, uh, coming down for us in terms of, uh, impacting, um, the way we do business and how we, su- how we support patients at the end of the day. It's causing us to relook at a few things, especially how we develop our physicians and how we further develop our staff and, and our ability overall, our culture to support what's changing, uh, within healthcare reform. At the end of the day, it's all about customer satisfaction and patient satisfaction. That's key for us. Um, but even that's changing in terms of uh, how we get reimbursed for, um, uh, you know, for for medical expenses. And so that's a huge change for us. So part of what's changing is the stakeholder group that's sitting around the table. It used to be, I recall, when I did a lot of consulting in healthcare. It was very siloed the way that the insurance company and the uh, healthcare organization or hospital and the bill billing and insurance folks, they were very siloed and had different rules. It sounds like you're describing a much more collaborative or at least uh, uh, a coming together of the parties, more of a partnership to solve the problem. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think collaboration is going to be the future of, of how healthcare performs. It's it's a very collaborative process. Um, it's hugely focused on engagement of all the parties involved. So it's it's. I think there's a much greater focus on hearing what people have to say and and how they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're observing, what they want. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of focus on that with with patients, with physicians, with staff, with leaders. And getting a collaborative collaborative approach to how we actually problem solve and, and deal with the issues that we're facing. And what do you think drives that? Well, I, I think it's a couple of things. I think one is I think we've realized in the past if it's just a top down approach, you're missing some of the parties who are going to have influential information to provide you with things that are really important to know because we're not always as leaders, we're not always in the forefront of knowing what's taking place. So I think it's important to hear from everybody from within the organization, but I also think you set yourself up for much greater success by being collaborative and knowing that you're not alone in this process of dealing with the problems that are taking place and being proactive with change in general. Um, and so I think the collaboration comes from, from a multitude of, of, of needs, actually. Hmm. So uh, I mean, individually, these uh, 
industries, whether it's insurance or the deliverers of the care or the uh, group purchasers, the employers, they're starting to realize, gee, it's so complex out there that we're going to have to band together. Um, like we had a whole theme one month on this show about collaborations and partnerships. And um, it sounds like there's much more of a... An, a need that has, what is that, necessity is the mother of invention or something there, and so that's created this culture. I I would agree. I I think it's a shift that's taking place across cultures. I think the old way of of managing a culture and a work environment and and, um, partnering with employees in terms of it being top-down and very policy-oriented and very... Um, very guideline oriented. That's still a lot of those things are in place because they need to be for accountability management, performance management. But at the same time, I think there's a tremendous amount of more focus, especially in healthcare, on hearing what the stakeholders have to say, hearing what physicians have to say, merging them with nurses and nurse leadership is really mm-hmm. important, as well as the staff that supports all of those processes that physicians and nurses come up with. So, it's it's really important that we have open conversation, and I think that's a huge part of Palomar's culture, and I think it's a big part of any healthcare industry culture, is that anybody within the healthcare industry realizes they need to have open communication lines with everybody involved. Uh-huh. Now, some of our listeners may not be aware of the traditional historical relationship between the physicians um, and how they operated uh, as compared to now, the hope, vision, wish for the role of the physician as as leaders in a healthcare system. Would you make some comments about that and help us all kind of have the same point of view as to why uh, the physicians keep coming up as a group that needs to be engaged? Well, I think it used to be seen as um, those who supported physicians just did that. They supported the physician. But the physician has a key role in terms of communication, setting expectations, in terms of clearly communicating what their needs are. It's, not, it's no longer just a support-oriented position um, in terms of what you do to support the physician that you work for. And I think physicians understand that they need to hear from the nurses and other healthcare practitioners that are supporting them uh, that their input is just as important as their perspective. So I think they understand that it's much more collaborative in nature. It's what's really caused us to spend a lot more time in physician development. We're we're kind of leading the way at Palomar with a physician development program that we have, um, and it's been launched uh, earlier this year. It's had a great amount of success in terms of getting physicians to understand the collaborative nature of their roles and the collaborative environment that is a healthcare organization. Uh, and, and I think it's also important that they're and they're, they're seeing this, but they're also seeing the fact that there's a tremendous amount of more focus on uh, things such as emotional intelligence and empathy. And they're getting a lot of support from the nurses and other healthcare practitioners that really helped them with that. And I think that's causing them to realize how collaborative this truly is. They're not working in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Right. It takes a village to heal a patient, so to speak, from lots of different disciplines. Exactly. And that needs to come across to the patient. They need to be seen working hand-in-hand with the people that work with them. And I, I think that's really obvious to, to physicians as well as nurses. There needs to be a partnership scene. So patients have a lot more confidence in the sort of care that they're getting. And how is it that patients start to notice 
this different uh, care, the listening. What, where, what, what is that term? Where's the just noticeable difference where a patient or a patient's family will say, wow, that really was different than traditional health care or that kind of thing? Well, I, I think probably the first area is that they're hearing what they hear from the nurse um, or another healthcare practitioner as well as a physician is that you have alignment, that you have similarity, or at least you have some alignment of what they're being told in, in terms of what the next steps are, what, what the healthcare experience is going to be like. They're not hearing two different stories, and that's probably the first way is that there's alignment of information that they're being given. Um, and that's really important. I, I don't know if that's always um, the experience that patients always feel when they're going to a healthcare provider is that they always have that continuity, that, that alignment of, of communication with all of the different people that are working with them. So that's probably the first one. Right. And in, in my personal experience, the hospital say it was not me, but the hospital say that it was the most serious ever um, in terms of life and death we seemed to get a new physician every 36 or 48 hours. So exactly what you're saying, whether it was the nursing staff or the physician, we would get a different story, a different prognosis, a different suggestions, and um, it, it seemed to be more centered around the schedule of the physician than the care of the patient. Yeah, that, that's, and I think that's like, exactly right. I think that's right. As I mentioned, we've rolled out this Physician Leadership Academy. It's called the Applied Academy of Physician Leadership. Um, the acronym we use is APPLE. And it's something that we think is putting us on the map in terms of bringing together nurse leadership and nurses as well as physicians to have these conversations. And it's an ongoing so, Bill, academy. I just, I just heard the music in my ear. Okay. And so would you hold that thought about the APPLE program at Palomar Health, and as soon as we get back from this break, we will hear all about what you're doing in that regard. It sounds fascinating. And for our listeners, please stay tuned to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions. We'll be right back. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from both myself, Linda Schub, your host, at Organization Effectiveness Consultants in San Diego, and our guest, Bill Goodrich, who is a Senior Organization Development Practitioner at Palomar Health, which serves San Diego County. Um, well, I will say that our uh, pre-recorded uh, announcement asks you to send an email, and Dr. Cheryl G. is not in the office today, so if you do want to call in with any questions, I would encourage our listeners to dial the phone number that was just given out, and we can provide that again. It is 866-472-5790. Thank you very much. We would love to have you join us. Okay, Phil, before the break, we were just about to talk about your breakthrough, best-in-class physician leadership program that has the acronym of APPLE. So go ahead and tell us more about that, please. Yeah, so so APPLE stands for Applied Academy of Physician Leadership. It's something we're really proud of. It's, it's certainly, um, I wouldn't call it a grassroots effort, but it's our first uh, step in doing something new with physicians, and that is to provide a leadership academy. And, and what that truly means is that we're providing them with a lot of development of soft skills um, the focus isn't necessarily on their competence as a physician. It's it's focused on developing their soft skills, their ability to communicate, their ability to collaborate, their ability to interact. There's a tremendous amount of focus on uh, leadership skills in general. So we've been pretty proud of what we've done so far, but it is starting out, and it's it's a process. And you mentioned that you had the nurse leadership with that. So talk a little bit about that historically, the relationship between physicians and nurses has been uh, one up, one down in many, many healthcare cultures. So how do you all work that? It's a great point. We didn't believe that we could be successful with a physician leadership academy without having the nurses greatly involved and without it being a collaborative approach. So they are there present uh, with the physicians. They go hand in hand with the physicians. It's the one reason they're there is to provide a development opportunity to develop those relationships, um, network communication skills. So just by them being present, they're sitting at the same table with the physicians, 
and they're working with them. And just as the physicians are being developed, the nurses and the nurse leaders are being developed at the exact same time. So it's that networking communication opportunity. But it also allows them to give each other feedback. There's a tremendous amount of focus on having them explain, again, what they feel, what they think, what they observe, what they want, and it goes both ways. And the Leadership Academy provides them with that form for doing that. Hmm. And was there resistance? How many physicians and nurse leaders uh, do you have attending at once? Uh, at one time, there's, it varies, but I would say on average it's probably somewhere between uh, 100 and 150 at one time. And again, it's, it's, it's leaders primarily at this stage. Um, but there wasn't any resistance. I, I think that the organization, we've got physicians as well as nurse leadership, that's very open and very aware of what it takes to service our patients, support our patients, and provide the best healthcare experience we can. And so I think they came to the table very willing, but also aware, like you said, to the history and to some of the challenges of the past and what it takes to move forward. And I think their willingness to come forward just shows you the commitment to the organization, but the commitment to changes in healthcare as well. Now, one of the things that, interestingly enough, I didn't expect to find this, but I was doing a little research, and for our listeners, uh, Palomar Health used to be called, help me here, Palomar Pomerado Hospital. Palomar Pomerado Health, that's correct. Yes, and I was just Googling the organization and what you're describing sounds very much uh, congruent with the origin of how this healthcare system got started. When I went to the website, it said that this, uh, I'll quote, hospital with 13 beds was originally started in the late 30s and early 40s to attend to farm workers who did not have the ability to go into our typical uh, hospitals and well, I don't know if we had urgent care back then, but and our typical um, health providers. So I'm wondering if any of that original culture started by two women who saw a local need for farm workers has carried through to be that community-based feeling. I think that it's a great question, and I think that the community-based feeling is very much still alive with Palomar. Uh, it's grown over the years, as, as in any organization from the 1930s or 40s until now, has evolved and grown to support the community and the needs of the community. Uh, what started out as a 13-bed hospital is now a healthcare system, and it's a district hospital or a district healthcare system. So we have three medical centers, uh, the newest one that we opened uh, in August of 2012, and so we've got three medical facilities within a community that support all of our needs. And so I think it's always focused on the community and servicing the community's needs and the diversity within the community. So I think that hasn't changed at all. It's just expanded in a way in which it does that. Well, and growth usually or certainly has the potential to kill culture. Um, yeah, you know, the I, more I you grow, the more people have to comply, the less the idiosyncratic relationships and special, you know, colleagues are accessible. So I'm fascinated by not only the growth factor, but living here um, in the community with uh, 
Palomar House, the reputation that has grown from, oh my goodness, we didn't want to end up there, to, oh my goodness, look how fabulous and award-winning this healthcare system is. Yeah, it's a great point to raise, and I appreciate you raising it, because I think that, that I've been in organizations where they will grow, and all of a sudden they forget about who the customer is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they forget who their employees are and who got them to where they, where they are today. They forget about their history. And all of a sudden they, um, they don't look anything like their past. And I think with our leadership, especially with our CEO and everyone who supports him, uh, the executive leaders, and all the way down through the director ranks, We've got an organization that hasn't forgotten about our history, hasn't forgotten about our roots and our origin, hasn't forgotten that the number one priority for us is our customers, and it takes nurses and practitioners and everyone else working together to support that. So you have to think about the key components of what it takes to provide health care. And I think that some of the key components of that are the things we're talking about. It's collaboration, it's communication, it's getting back to some of the basics with soft skills, Soft skills simply being those personal attributes and traits and characteristics that make it much more experienced than just the competence of the physicians and the healthcare practitioners like the nurses who are all extremely competent, but it's bringing in how they make a human touch, how they connect with an individual. And I think that's what gives us that community feel is we're not forgetting what it takes to be empathetic, to be an active listener, to be... um, to be aware that uh, people today going through healthcare want to be part of that process. They want to be heard. They want to be validated. They want their family members to be part of that, and that's an important part of what we're doing. Right, because all their families going home to checking out what the doctor told them on the internet and bringing back new information. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now the other interesting thing is, you know, a little bit of what you're describing as the soft skills. I can remember certainly my parents and others referring to as bedside manner that a physician or a nurse would have. But now you're talking about applying those soft skills in the context of pretty much employee to employee at leadership levels, not just physician or nurse to patient. Right. And that's a critical difference that I'm hearing subtly, but I recognize that. It's true. Uh, the first thing we do with every new employee who joins our organization is they get exposed to a, a personality or work style or behavioral assessment, and that's for, for an important reason, two important reasons. One is for self-awareness and personal development. They get a sense of their style, attributes, traits, and characteristics, but it's also a chance to learn the differences between them and others, as well as the difference between them and the patients that they're, that they're providing support for. And the reason that's important is to make sure that everyone understands how to be patient and tolerant and respectful and understanding with people who have different traits and needs and wants and characteristics than you. And that's, that's, a, that's a cornerstone of what we do at Palomar. It's all about teaching people about themselves and how they behave. And so they understand that they behave sometimes differently than others. That's, the, that's, that's who we are as human beings and getting them to understand that first and foremost. And it builds from there. Hmm. Fascinating because it's it's broadening again the base of once again when I did a lot of work in healthcare there was a lot of discussion around now that we have multinational patient base what do we have to teach our providers about caring for a woman a woman from Africa as different than a woman from Asia or from America 
And this is like a whole new take on diversity. It's diversity of style and preferences and perspective that you're inculcating into the leadership. It goes far beyond. It's the best of what was, but seems to go far beyond that in terms of how you want your leaders and operational managers to think. Um, I'm fascinated. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. I mean, we we serve a diverse culture and a diverse community, and so the, the cultural diversity, sensitivity, and what it takes to support that sort of environment is always a focus for us is because you, you want to be sensitive to difference in languages and a difference in expectations and needs. And so that's always there. That's always uh, part of what we do. But it's also, as you said, it's it's a diversity of thinking and it's a different the diversity of style. Um, and so I think we, what we are, we're, we're broadening that perspective. It, it really makes, we're focusing on how do we make people more aware of the environment that they're in and the fact that they could be dealing with any individual who has different needs, expectations, and style and culture than them, and how do you ensure that employees walking into that situation and physicians walking into that situation are aware of that and continue to be aware of that so they do the things that are needed to be successful for both themselves as well as the patients they're supporting. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Well, I hear the music coming back on. Um, I've been on the verge of a question that keeps escaping me, and perhaps at the break, I can formulate that question and we can pick up there because um, what you're saying, Phil, is just fascinating. So we will be back in just a couple of minutes with more on leadership matters in the healthcare environment, in forming leaders and inspiring solutions. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. the boardroom to you voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. 
Hello, thank you for staying tuned to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. At the break, Phil and I were just talking about how challenging this environment is and um, how much fun, uh, if that's the right word, but how much uh, enjoyment it you can actually get out of working in an environment when you see such accomplishments happening. Um, previously, um, Phil, you and I were speaking as we were preparing, and you had mentioned that there are many levels that you all had to think about when talking about change inside of your healthcare system, uh, the level of the patients and families, the level of the physician, and the level of staff. Can you give us some examples of what were the most challenging at each of those levels and what you did to overcome that? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that um, each one of those areas provides uh, different challenges in terms of growth opportunities and, and new technology, new innovation, new processes and best practices and new ways of actually supporting healthcare. I would say some of the challenges have certainly been in technology in terms of the the, uh, the records, the electronic records that are used. That's an adjustment uh, with our systems. That's an adjustment for physicians as well as nurses and other healthcare practitioners to get used to those systems. But it also provides them with the the information at their fingertips, uh, so they can actually access information on the patients readily and be able to provide support. But it's an adjustment. So there's been a tremendous amount of ongoing. Uh, I would say development and training and, and uh, an opportunity to provide ongoing clarity regarding the impact both on the physician as well as the patient. So that's ongoing, but it, but we certainly see some differences there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for the patients, you know, I both personally, as a, a body walking around, I could be a patient, you know, but I would love to have my own medical records all organized and structured so I could just go and say, when was the last time I had such and such a lab test run? Um, and then there's a whole generation of baby boomers that were brought up with the watch out big brothers watching you concept and probably really resist having all that information available through technology. Um, did you do any specific outreach or communication or focus groups with your patients as to educate them? Well, I think we, we always, everything we do that impacts patients, we try to get um, an advisory board or some patient impact and, and some patient feedback. So that is an effort that we do continuously with, with projects that touch patients directly. So we do make an attempt to do that through our board as well as through other advisory boards. So that's something we certainly do. So we do look for feedback from, from patients. Um, at the end of the day, I think so much of it is trial and error, is figuring out exactly what works and what doesn't work and being flexible enough to adapt where we need to. But there's a tremendous amount of focus on privacy for patients. There's, there's HIPAA, which are privacy protection laws, and we want to make sure that we're focused in, in being compliant with those when it comes to specifically the sensitivity of, of information. Um, we know that's a real hotbed and a real issue for a lot of people today in terms of having their information be accessible um, online or, or, you know, within a system. Mm-hmm. And so we've done what we can. The biggest difference is going to be when a patient goes in, instead of having, uh, a, you know, a physician pull up a, a record, a manila folder with 
personal information, they're going to be using a computer to access that information so they can access it much more readily. They can get a much greater history in terms of, and they can also get a history in terms of what's taking place regardless of the, uh, the physician that you spoke with within that system. So if you went and spoke with your primary care versus a specialist, that's all going to be right there and it's going to be accessible to whatever physician you're meeting with in that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately to the patient, right? Yeah, it's all, it's all about the patient at the end of the day. It's all about the impact and, and the sensitivity to their time, but it also makes it much easier for the physician to be able to, to do their job, which is to support that patient with the patient's needs. Mm-hmm. Now, this is kind of a, it's a non sequitur, but you mentioned it earlier, and I think now is the time to bring it up a little bit here. You said you made a statement about both the change and the transition. And as change management uh, experts, I think many of us follow the model that um, took the old grieving uh, steps and ability to let go in a death and dying in context and turn it into a more of a current day model by that um, William Bridges worked with that talks about sometimes um, change may be moving to electronic medical records or moving to sleepover rooms where patients' families can stay there but the psychological transition where we have to get used to our medical records online or accessing our own or being more self-responsible and preventative as patients, um, how have you, have you found a difference and how have you kept the psychological transition up with the technology and leadership culture and mindset transition. Well, it's exactly right. There's a difference for for me and for us as an organization between change, which is the organizational, operational, system change, tools change. That's what you're talking about with change management oftentimes is the process, the best practices, the systems, tools. And the transition is the emotional impact on people. And you can't do one without the other. And so... Um, we're focused very much on what does it take to make sure that we're sensitive to that emotional change on the people that we're working with. For physicians, it's often, as you referenced earlier, it's, it's often getting their thought before the impact of that change. So if we can use advisory boards, if we can invite the community to, to, be, to come in and be heard, we want to understand the consequences, the impact, and the trade-off on them. How does that land on them? What are they concerned about? Again, what do they think? What do they feel? What do they observe? What do they want? That's really important to us, so you'll, you'll see a trend there. If it's a change with physicians, if it's a change with nurses, if it's a change with general staff, um, we want to know, again, what's the emotional impact on them? So we give just as much of attention to the emotional impact how people feel and think, because at the end of the day, we want to reduce anxiety, Mm -hmm. and that's really important to us because change typically creates some level of anxiety and distrust and stress, and so by not just focusing on the operational or the tool, the system change itself, the organizational change, we focus on the emotional change, and and I think that's, uh, that's really important to us because at the end of the day, that's what we're all about. 
And one of the ways that I've noticed that that's happened just over the past maybe seven years of my own experiences and with my family, there seems to be a lot more explaining going on, not from Ricky Ricardo, but um, from the physician to the patient or from the nurse to the patient and the patient's family saying, first this will happen, then that will happen, then this will happen, and then we'll be able to give you some information. Um, yeah, do you see that? Without a doubt, it's it's speaking to the why, and that's what we call it, it's speaking to the why behind decisions. And I think it's just as important internally within our culture as employees and physicians and nurses as it is with patients is to give them the background, to provide them with the why behind decisions or why this is happening or why a physician is proposing something, this course of action, this course of uh, resolution. Um, it's really important to give the background to those sort of things. The more information you can give people, um, the more you can reduce anxiety. So clarity reduces anxiety in our mind. So the more information we can give as to the why we do what we do, uh, then the better off people are going to feel because that's really what reduces the anxiety that they're feeling and the stress they're feeling about that future procedure or the future of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then is there a preventative or a, um, a wellness um, kind of a mentality or side to what you're doing these days that also is a change in how uh, staff, physicians, families, patients think about health care? There is. And in fact, we have uh, kind of an alternative medicine uh, approach with one of our facilities where that's an option for some of our patients. We do have that option available where there's a different approach to how we do medicine, which is more focused on the wellness component, a very proactive approach to how you take care of yourself and prevent future um, medical needs and healthcare needs. So Uh that's a huge part of Palomar. Do we have someone else on the line, Joel? Do we have a call in or am I hearing something? No. Okay, I thought maybe Alan would call in. So that's one of the differences is that you do have that focus um, on reducing their anxiety. And, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are nonprofit and public sector folks. And I was teaching a management class earlier this morning at the city of San Diego and we got into a discussion about how a lot of the old school thinking is um, either if you tell them they're at risk or we don't tell you because we haven't been told we can tell you and it sounds like this is a environment where you've specifically broken through that and are sharing more information as part of the leadership expectation. It's exactly right. I I think you nailed it, and I think that's exactly what we're trying to do. There's certainly a learning process for us, so I I wouldn't want to say that we're perfect at it, but we're making that shift. We're making that assimilation, and we're making that, that change overall, and it's exactly what I think healthcare is experiencing overall is the way in which you service and support and provide health care to patients and their visitors and their families and their guests is, is a changing environment. And so it means that you've got to be proactive and keep up with that. So I think we're doing a good job of adjusting, um, and that's all we can do is we can focus on, on hearing the patient and hearing their needs and adjusting where we need to. And I think we're doing a really good job, 
but it's a continuous process of making sure you're aware and continue to listen and adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Oops, boy, this music comes up fast. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to our next commercial break, and this following 10 minutes will be the last segment, so don't go anywhere. Please stay with us as we wrap up this episode of Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, and Inspiring Solutions. So stay with us. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, thank you for staying with us on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders and Inspiring Solutions. Um, during the commercial break, we have been blessed with another one of our colleagues joining us on the line, and about a month ago, Anne Scott Hurst from the city of San Diego, who's also an organization development specialist, was one of our guests speaking about mentoring. Today, Anne has called in with a more of a comment and about the model of transition and, a, and an example. I'm going to go back to Phil first, and then Phil's going to weave Anne into the discussion here. So where did we leave off, Phil, talking about the tools or other ways we get people to engage in the change? Right. We'll use so- somewhere else, sorry. No, that's okay. So we were talking about some of the changes obviously taking place in healthcare, and I think with, with Anne, she could probably touch on um, some of the, uh, the more ceremonial changes that take place with that. So, um, Anne, any thoughts with that? 
Um, sure. With some of the experiences I've had where computer systems are being implemented, there is, of course, um, a backlash and resistance. And one of the effective organizations that I've dealt with was Intel, and the way they would handle and follow Bill Bridges and celebrate the past was to put banners up for each of the groups that uh, was uh, undergoing a change, oftentimes merging together, and they would um, all come together along with other stakeholders, and they would talk about their past and um, be able to establish all of the good things that they had uh, accomplished and what they would hate to lose in uh, the new coming together. And so they listened to one another for the talents that each brought, and then they would ceremoniously <laughs> uh, cut the ropes of the banners for the two old groups, and a new banner would rise up, and everyone would applaud and cheer for the new group that would be forming. And this helped to um, prevent each party feeling undermined and to alleviate some of the anxiety created more a sense of excitement of positive things to come than uh, super sadness of the past going. Mm. That is incredibly important because as we were talking about the difference between change and transition, most of people would assume that in order to make a change and an effective transition, which, as Phil mentioned, is the psychological readiness to accept whatever is the new change, sometimes we have to start with endings and grieve the past. The future will not be the way that the past has been. And so Anne's example of using symbolic gatherings and literal renaming and two that become one as a new banner rises is a way of honoring the endings and bringing up the new beginnings in a context where people can then be more accepting, join the culture, and I think that's where uh, we left off talking a little bit about emotional intelligence and the ability to sense what's going on with the other folks and the other job titles, so a physician or a nurse might acclimate at a much faster pace because they've been planning these changes than a staff employee. So do you see that, Phil? Uh, very much so. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, when you think about changes taking place, in, and especially in a healthcare organization where change is kind of rapid, uh, I, I think that there's there's a tremendous amount of sensitivity to the fact that there's an emotional impact and to the degree that you can bring in ceremonial sort of changes and, and get people to actually see, feel, witness, experience one transition, the emotional transition from one thing to another, the more you can do that with people, the better off you're going to be. So I think there's always that sort of thinking that goes into everything we do. It's not just with staff, but it's also with um, with patients. Uh, when we opened up our brand new facility, Palomar Medical Center, just over a year ago, we actually invited in the community. 
we had over 12,000 people come, and so they could actually come and say goodbye to the new or say goodbye to the old facility, the former facility, which we kept and turned into a women's center. And then they mm-hmm. got to welcome in the new facility and then everything that that represented with the new technology. And so they, we did a tour of the facility where they could come in and actually talk to physicians and actually see the new technology, new operating rooms and new systems. And so they could get that, you know, that, that experience firsthand. Yes, and, and I think Linda, one, oh, Linda, one of the key words I think you used was the planning and the planned change. And I, I think uh, knowing that there are additional steps in the future of actually visualizing um, what that change may become allows the imagination to keep from being locked into the past. That's a really good comment because I think a lot of times we think of change as Roman numeral one with capital letter A and, uh, you know, number one and little a, and it becomes a big outline of steps and goals. And this really makes it touch the personal, the human, the emotional side of all of us, which we no longer believe, or certainly I don't, but the people I interact with, and I don't think any of the three of us believe you check your personality at the door and come in and be a robot at work anymore. So you're saying the exact opposite is true. Yeah, exactly. I think there used to be a day where we would use terms such as check your emotion at the door, and 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 we don't use that anymore, and especially in our organization. We want you to feel emotion. Um, what we want to do is understand that emotion. And so it's really important that we teach people how to go through that process of the experience of emoting. And, and again, it's what you think, it's what you feel, it's what you observe, it's what you want. And those are, the, those are really important characteristics for us within our culture. So we, we're teaching employees and physicians um, how to express those things through a process. And so we continue to hear them. We don't want you to check your emotion and, and try and hold it back because it's important that we hear you. It's just important that it's not just reactive. It's, it's, it's important that we understand exactly the impact of all of our changes on you and how are we sensitive to those changes. Well, and, you know, we we hear so much and we speak so much about integrated and integrative medicine these days that that certainly is congruent because we are integrated people. I really don't leave my personality at the door very many places that I go. Um, and so that would allow the freedom for patients and staff alike to be who they are and to care and to, you know, just be a little more authentic, which there's an, an awful lot of research about how that also helps the healing process. Yeah, that's, that's entirely right on. For us, it's all about the authentic, authentic experience, and you just used the term, and I'll use it again. It's the authentic experience from staff and from patients is what we want to hear. And so it's all about how do we get better at doing that. This is an amazing culture that you must have, and I am just shocked to hear a late music in the background. This hour has gone so fast, and Anne, I appreciate that you called in. Um, Phil, would you end us on a final note? You had mentioned earlier that you had some very high rankings from the Press Ganey 
report, and would you also give a website where people can learn more about some of the new things happening at Palomar Health? Yeah, so the website is palomarhealth.org, and that's where you can get a lot of information regarding uh, Palomar Health in terms of the services that they offer and the different facilities that they have. Um, but in terms of the rankings that, that Linda just referenced, uh, it's talking about specifically our employee partnership survey. It's how we engage with employees to provide a great experience for the patient. And so we had a, a participation rate within that of 87%. The national average is 65%. We had an 87% participation rate, which means that we were voluntarily asking employees to participate. And more importantly, they ranked in the 91st percentile of all hospitals nationwide in terms of how engaged and satisfied they are. The reason they're very engaged and satisfied, and that's from our 2012 scores, uh, the reason they're engaged and satisfied is because at the end of the day, they're being hired to provide support for the patients, and that's what they're engaged and satisfied about. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just fascinating, change and the impact it has. Uh, closing comments from you, Ann, or anything you'd like to add? I, well, I'm just finding it fascinating to hear about how it's being applied in the, in the medical field because it's so needed in the medical field, it sounds like, and I'm glad to hear that it's become successful. Okay, well, thank you both. Thank you, Ann, for calling in, and thank you, Phil Goodrich from Palomar Health. And as a senior organization development practitioner, facilitator, and expert, um, I totally appreciate that you've been on the line with me today. You've given us some great examples of change. And um, to our listeners, Please know that in a couple of hours, you will be able to hear this broadcast on the website, so feel free to pass it on, send a link, and or send questions for our next series next Wednesday. So this has been our last chapter on change, and next month we will start a new topic and have a series there. We encourage you all to to, to tune in and stay with us as we discuss these important issues on Leadership Matters, where we strive to inspire, inform leaders and inspire them, and inspire solutions that comes out of that information. So thank you again from Linda Schub in San Diego. Thank you, Phil Goodrich and Ann Scott Hurst, and thank you to our listening audience. Good night. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.